What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Evolve You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, a holistic life and business coach, speaker, and author. And I created this platform for us to grow into the best versions of ourselves through health, business, and personal development. If that sounds good to you, you're here in the right place, but it's not only going to be for my own experiences in solo episodes you might hear on this platform, but it's going to be also from influential guests that we bring on that I feel like have value and a story to tell and lessons in that story that hopefully we can all learn from and implement within our own respective lives. If you're here for that, we'd love for you to just share this out with one person. Leave us a rating and review if you do enjoy the episode or previous episodes that you listen to. If anything resonates with you, everything will be down in the show notes below. We look forward to serving you here on this platform. Enjoy the episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve You podcast. This is your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, holistic life coach, business coach, speaker, author, and your podcast host for this particular platform. We appreciate you so much for being on this episode and this platform here. If you're here for your first time and you're supporting our guests, I'm already giving you a hint that it's gonna be an amazing conversation. Um, if you're here returning, just supporting the podcast, we appreciate you all. Uh, if you would do us just a brief favor, it doesn't take you much, it's a small investment, doesn't cost you any money, just go ahead and say, hey, I enjoyed the podcast. If it's before and you've listened before, go ahead and hit us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. If you are coming here for the first time and you want to check us out first, then say, hey, this was an amazing podcast. Um, make sure you check out our previous episodes, but go ahead and hit us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just make sure you check out all of the information down below in the show notes. We would appreciate that so very much. That being said, as we always do, I always say every time we have a guest on this podcast, it is a guest that I, uh, I feel like can give so much value and their story can impact so many people that we bring on to share with the world. So that being said, we have Michael T. Ward. This is a good friend of mine, uh, client, and you know I just appreciate him so much for just his amazing servitude of men, um, but also just a family man uh, and a person that has persevered through so many things. And he has decided that, hey, I want to give back to this world um, in some capacity. So Michael T., welcome on, man. What's going on? What's going on, Brian? Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Really excited it. to be on this, man. You got it. This is going to be an awesome conversation. So um, as we always do, um, I, I don't want to take up the mic too much. So we want to pass it over to you because the people want to hear a little bit about your story. Um, I know uh, so much, but I, I am even intrigued sometimes because we get on these episodes and I, I feel like I'm learning as I go. And I'm like, wow, I almost forgot that about his story. So if you would uh, take us back um, a little bit into your story. Um, you're from the West Coast, you know, you grew up in a certain household. Like, can you take us back there a little bit and just, we can build upon that as we always do. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. So I uh, grew up in the Bay Area in uh, the East Bay, actually, right south of Oakland, a city called San Leandro. It bordered on Oakland's uh, southern border. Uh, lower middle class, you know, neighborhood. It was pretty diverse. Um, and, you know, a lot of working families and, you know, grew up in my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Um, That's just kind of how it was up until I was about six, you know, uh, life changed at that point. My mom had been fighting cancer for, I don't even know, 
five or six years, she got it right after I was born. And uh, at six years old, you know, she passed away. And kind of, you know, my sister went to live with her dad and me and my brother stayed with my dad. And uh, we grew up there and, and, you know, kind of like as uh, my dad made us like a team. It's like, you know, he's yeah. going to have to go to work. And me and my brother, eight and six years old, getting getting up, getting ourselves ready, riding our bikes to our babysitters, uh, making our lunches and our breakfasts every morning, you know. And, and at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But looking back now that I have kids that are six and, and almost eight years old to think that I was up getting my brother out of bed, who my older brother, <laughs> making, making our lunches, making our breakfasts, riding our bikes, you know, three or four miles to our babysitter's house in the morning before the sun even comes up. It's a trip to think, man. We, you know, my dad always said he thought we had to grow up too fast. And mm. looking back now, I see that, you know, we actually did have to grow up yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. Gosh. But, Gosh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I have to pause that for a second because, you know, it's so much happening in that short span of time in your life. And as you know, like between the ages of, of one and five, um, that is a pivotal time for, you know, kids to really, you know, internalize what their life is going to be uh, in some way because their experiences. So you're experiencing this at six years old with your older brother. And, you know, it's a great situation that you're in because your dad is is there but he's also not there too because he's going to work right how was that yeah. relationship if you don't mind sharing with us just you know you had men in the house like there wasn't that motherly touch anymore um, uh, yeah how, how was that well i mean my dad did an amazing job and yeah but for all of his flaws not perfect by any stretch you know what i mean like he he was there for us he made sure that we didn't have a lot of money at that point but he always made sure that we had a birthday party um and and and, uh we knew he loved us and we knew that he was taking care of us the best that he could we never felt like you know we didn't have that but we didn't you know now that i i know the difference between you know fatherly love and motherly love you know what i mean like there was definitely a huge absence for me and and my brother too but with not having my mom there i was very much a mama's boy um but you know at that age you, you don't remember things or know things as much until you get older you look back and you realize it but just growing up with just me and my brother and my dad, it was cool because my dad like said, look, you guys are going to need to step up and handle certain responsibilities while I'm at work and stuff like that. And he trusted us to do that. Like he trusted us to come home sometimes when he wasn't home and to kind of settle in and just not do stupid things in the house while he wasn't home. But there was always a lot of love there and uh, always a lot of support. And I think you know, my dad really took us under his wing. He adopted my brother. My brother wasn't even his son. But when my mom passed away, he didn't know his dad. So my dad adopted him because he didn't want to break us up, you know. Um, my dad was a real, is, is a really, yeah. really good man. Wow. Wow. So it was really, you had two step, um, a brother and a sister. Is that right? Um, yeah. So my dad remarried. He remarried um, and then it brought in, so I had... My my family's crazy, but then that brought in a stepbrother and a stepsister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it was me, my my brother, and then my stepbrother and my stepsister all living in the house with my stepmom and my dad. Yeah. And she came in, I think maybe the fifth fifth grade or something like that. And there okay. my my dad my dad and her are still married to the to this day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we're 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 at a pivotal point in your life where you have um you know, your earlier childhood, you're growing up, it seems like everything's going um, as best as possible, but there's still some longing and missing for your mom. And, and you enter 
into your teenage years. Can you tell us a little bit about that and entering into kind of high school, right? Things are starting to change. But I didn't get along with my stepmom at all. She, mm. she and I had an absolutely terrible relationship and um, like awful. I hated being home, I hated her. Uh, she was just a spiteful, terrible, mean person who favored her son well over us, you know what I mean? And it was obvious and it was no, <laughs> everyone saw it. And she just, yeah. I don't know, it, was, it wasn't good. So by the time I got to high school, it was like, my whole mindset was like, fuck you. I'm yeah. fucking, I'm going to put myself to, I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to go be successful. And so I don't need anything from you and I can tell you to fuck off. Yeah. Uh, and that was my motivation through high school. I was uh, in the honors classes. I blocked in four sports. I wasn't a star by any stretch, but I was like, I'm going to put everything I can on my college resume. Uh, my junior year, I was like a 4.1 something because I had wow. honors classes. And, you know, I, I wasn't perfect. I would still go out and party. My brothers were very much like, you know, uh, wrench monkeys. You know what I mean? They loved mm -hmm. to work on their classic cars and do an auto shop and they weren't scholastically driven. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going that route. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go do something with my life. And so I studied and I did homework and I did it all on my own accord. No one was at home pushing me to do it and telling me to do it. But as shitty as my home life was on report card day, it was always my day to shine too. Yeah. And so it was like, I always you know, felt good to get to, to not be getting in trouble and really kind of stand out in that regard. But at the same time, you know, I was popular with, had friends, went out, did the parties and all that stuff um, and, and really had a good time in high school, but carried just a tremendous amount of resentment and a lot of anger. And, um, and that was building up, you know, and my whole goal was to go to college mm -hmm. and my senior year comes, I'm applying to all these schools. I get accepted everywhere. I get accepted as an engineering Major. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I got accepted to Berkeley. I got accepted to Irvine. I got accepted to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, like the top school. I got accepted to USC's engineering school, and then my dad comes out and he's like, "Yeah, we can't afford to send you to school. Like, get, you know, your stepmom's been handling the finances for this period of time. They're mismanaged." When I went to look and see what the situation was, we were broke. Like, sorry, and it caused a big thing with them, um, especially. Yeah, it's, I don't want to need to get into all that, but it yeah. was like, okay. Now, what am I gonna do? And I had to make a decision and I had to go to junior college. And to me, that was just like the biggest kick in the ass because all that work just to get out of there and then I'm stuck in junior college with all my friends that I thought I was better than. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go to the four year with all the smart kids in my honors classes, but then here I'm going to junior college with all the knuckleheads I was playing you know, sports with and stuff like that. Um, but it ended up being probably the best thing that ever happened to me. You're mm -hmm. still there. It's a little frozen. Yeah. It, it, going to the junior college probably ended up being one of the best things that happened to me, though. You know, um, I went in there. I was like, all right, resolve the fact. Can't afford it. Dad told me, you know, always respect dad. Um, still resenting my stepmom even more now. Uh, and, and I went there and just kind of put myself there through junior college for two years and got accepted to schools again, changed my major. You know, this time international relations, Georgetown accepted, UST accepted again, top two schools that I wanted to go to, no money. And Gosh. so then I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, what am I going to do? I already did two years of junior college, almost straight A's, um, working full time, going to, you know, and, and, and I was like, I'm putting myself through school. I'm going to do a third year of junior college. I'm going to take mm -hmm. all the classes that I want. I'm going to take fun classes. I took debate. <laughs> I got into radio, the radio station on campus and started doing that. And, uh, and just had an amazing third year and 
uh, decided, you know, found a school that I could put myself through with little to no help. Yeah. And um, at San Francisco State uh, was where I ended up going in that, uh, that, that year after that. Man, so there's somebody listening right now that is, that probably has the same story. And, you know, because on the Evolve You podcast, we talk about how to, you know, build the best version of yourself through health, business, and personal development. And during these times, did you really understand, because we're gonna get to that, about how you've developed this kind of really resilient and deep thought um, around, around life. And that was a starting point. Where did your internal like motivation, and I think I have an idea of where it came from, because you stated it earlier around, like you wanted to stick it to your, your friends and your stepmom. Like, is that what resounded in your mind when things got tough? It was like, I gotta keep going, I gotta, because at one point you could have been like, I'm not going to junior college, I'm done, this is, this is worthless. I'm, I don't have any other reason of trying to get straight A's in junior college. Like, what was that internal motivation still for you then? Something in, inside of me told me that, you know, in order to be successful, every, the road to success at the time was through college. And, you know, if I wanted to make more of my life, if I wanted to make lots of money, if I wanted to have this, this prof, prof, you know, prestigious position and run companies and, you know, have the corner office and all this stuff, this is what I envisioned when I'd see the movie and they're wearing their suits and they're going to New York and, like that i want to be that guy i want to be the guy making a lot of money making moves in the suits and the skyscrapers and um i i didn't want to work my ass off uh and i saw how hard my dad worked i saw how hard my brothers worked and i saw how much they struggled in and around me i said i don't want that yeah i want more i want and i want to be able to help my dad you know and give him stuff and uh so i just like the college was it and so and then with the resentment my stepmom it just gave me that extra fuel it kind of fortified me because there would be days where i would just be like you know so angry and then it would just have that okay look just focus on the mission focus on the goal figure out a way to do that and then it'll, it'll help you to deal with this today because you know you're going somewhere yeah yeah but it's always it's always been inside me i don't know where it came from or why it was there but i just always had this drive inside me that nah, i'm gonna i'm meant for bigger things i don't it's hard to explain yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So we're at a point now where, where you're you're finishing up the junior college and you're starting to end into your like mid twenties going into your thirties. Can you tell, cause that's a tough time for yeah. um, back then, but even now it's tough time. Cause you're like, okay, I'm, I'm think I'm grown, but I'm still like figuring out my life. Can you tell us about that time in your life? Yeah, man, my twenties <laughs> for a while. So I, I partied a lot. You know, yeah. I went into went into university and we I, I got straight A's. I graduated summa cum laude, but I was also partying hard. You know what I mean? And and even through junior college, just all that resentment and anger. And I wanted to step up and be like, I wanted to create this person of myself as like fun and uninhibited. And I could when I was drinking and partying, I could let go a lot of that that anger and resentment and kind of like that, that fortitude that I'd have to walk around with and just be able to be a little bit more uninhibited and fun and free and light. And I liked that. Um, and that was the effects produced by alcohol for me, but I liked it so much that I never wanted to not have that feeling. Um, and eventually over the, over the period of that, that time, like I remember standing in my dorm, my, 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 my roommate's room in college and I'm holding a 40 and I tell him, so this is my poison. If I'm never going to get what I want in life, it's because of this. 
and uh, I was 21. Uh, and then through my 20s, I partied and, and had this, you know, went, got my first job, got my second job, and could just never build any consistency. My whole life revolved around partying and drinking and having fun and chasing girls and um, going to the club and whatever. Every event revolved around drinking and it caught up to me. Um, I remember, you know, knowing that I needed to quit at 21, <laughs> but not even trying to figure out a way to keep alcohol in my life and still go on this career path, this trajectory, but it'd be like build, 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 burn, build, 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 burn, mm. build, burn, build, burn. And I couldn't get any consistency to build on, no foundation late. And I was, I guess I was doing fine in my career, but it was definitely shaky. And after a couple of job moves, the references were starting to be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember, I remember starting to have all these dark thoughts and these suicidal thoughts. And uh, there's a friend of mine who I worked with in my original job um, out of college. I would remember telling him all the time, I got to quit drinking. I'm not going to drink tonight. He'd be like, yeah, right. You always say that. You go to mm -hmm. drink. And I was out with him. We, cut, we, cut, we played hooky from work one day. We went down <laughs> and uh, hung out down in a different town playing pool with some girls. But I remember driving back drunk. And, and I remember telling him, I said, I got to quit drinking. He said, what? You always say that. I said, no, I've been having all these dark thoughts. I've been, you know, suicidal and, and whatever. He's, he looked at me and he's like, dude, I got you. Like, you're going to quit and quit. You know what I mean? And I remember the next next week I went to my first AA meeting and started the process. And I didn't get sober right away, but it was like in and out of meetings for about a year. Um, and then I was starting to, you know, it was I started to see the benefits of like a sober, consistent lifestyle. Um, <laughs> And then decided to test the waters partying some more. And I mean, that was just a, a shit show. Went went south fast. To put it in perspective, I met some girl and in like eight days I got engaged. Like literally <laughs> bought her a diamond ring and just moved into the house. And you can imagine how well that went. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great in that it helped me to get to my bottom so much faster. Like it was, I was making all the decisions in my life that I told myself I never would. And it was disastrous. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was a complete shit show. Um, but I remember I got sober. Like I remember um, I was drinking all night, woke up, went to down to the Bay Area to my niece's birthday party and started drinking around noon and went out that night with my brother. We went to the bars and one thing led to another. Obviously I was blackout drunk. I come out of my blackout and I'm literally 30 years old fist fighting my brother on my parents front lawn like <laughs> come, come out of the blackout i'm flying through the air my stepmom's on the porch yelling my brother's kicking my ass <laughs> what the fuck is happening <laughs> i wake up in the in my no i go in the house wake up the next morning and uh just feel like crap you know it's like what is what am i doing with my life what is happening you know engaged to this girl i don't even like like making all these terrible decisions i'm fist fighting you know my parents house like oh and in my mind, I always felt like I carried a lot of this self-hate. I didn't have a lot of self-love, you know what I mean? I wanted to do things for everyone else, but I felt like I didn't matter if, if anything happened to me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and and to, so I carried a lot of that through my drinking and that probably helped me to be depressed. But I remember sitting there on that couch, my dad's across the living room, he looks at me, he said, what the hell happened? I'm like, I don't know. And I said, like, but I got to go back. And he's like, go back where? And I said, I got to go back to AA. And he said, well, does it help? And I was like, yeah, it helps a lot. And I may as well have been speaking to God himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my dad, we were, we've been home team since I was six. You know what I mean? And yeah. I had so much, my dad's my hero. So yeah. 
for me to sit across and tell him that I knew that was it. I was done. And that was uh, September 17th, 2006. Gosh. And uh, I'm happy to say that I haven't picked up a drink since then. Wow. There's, man, that moved me because like I said, if everyone's, anyone's listening very intently now, wherever you are in the world or you're watching this, if we decide to release the video footage right now, um, there's somebody that's dealing with that right now. And I'll tell you that you just released somebody from, um, from their misery in some way to say that there's hope. And it only takes one powerful decision uh, for yourself, but you had people around you. Like you said, something that I, I don't want people to miss is that, you know, if you don't have somebody in your life, you had that one friend and you had your dad. It's like, find somebody you can confide in um, which will build confidence, obviously, which is the root word of, uh, of confidence. So I, I, I commend you for that. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but it was necessary. You know what I mean? At that point, you know, um, when I first decided to get sober, I was having suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And but when I actually got sober, I didn't have them anymore because I already felt dead on the inside. Like I felt like a shell of a man. There was no feeling there. I just shut down completely. And, uh, I may as well, I mean, on the outside, I had a job, I had a car, I was fine, but I was dead on the inside. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so it was, it was necessary. It was the, the scales had tilted and there wasn't any other choice. I tried for nine years to figure out a way to keep alcohol in my life. I didn't want to lose it. It was my, it was my go-to for anything. Yeah. And I didn't realize just how pervasive it was in my life and how much it fucked with me until I, I got sober. Yeah. Take us, okay, so we're, we're, we're at a pivotal point in your life, and this is kind of the, the point that, and you, everyone that's listening, like hopefully you have your ears open and your heart open because we're leading up to really how Michael got to where he is now and, and this kind of freedom or curiosity about life or this continuation of like his, his purpose, uh, so to yeah. speak. And so you're at 30, you, you're, you're getting sober, you, you declared it, and something happens in your early 30s going into mid 30s like you start on this kind of personal development journey or kind of opening your mind up can you tell us about that point after you got uh sober like yeah. what happened yeah so like you said you know there wasn't a whole lot of hope in my life before getting sober and then you know that decision and then going to aa and get doing what i was told to do i didn't have a fucking clue what to do go to the meetings get a sponsor work the steps yep and i did that and the 12 steps are phenomenal in that they take you on this very linear process and allow you to, to accept, you know, a higher power into your life. They help you to let go of a lot of the baggage that you've been carrying around this resentment. Resentment's poison, man. It's mm. it, it, something happens. It's like a snake bite. The bite doesn't kill you. It's the poison that you, that you carry around for years afterwards that'll eventually kill you. And that's what that's resentment good. is. So you unload that and then you start figuring out ways to be of service and you start to see life take on a new meaning. And there's a, a spiritual element in there and you start to develop that, that hope that you had starts to develop into a faith because you see enough examples of mm -hmm. things working in your favor. And uh, yeah, um, so I started down that path and I'd always had this belief, you know, that like uh, the, there's the world is energy. And, and if you get in tap with that energy, like uh, it, the world will communicate to you and help you to move you along the path that you're supposed to be on. And, you know, getting sober, it started on this path. And just, first of all, I had to figure out how to, who I was, what did I like, what did I want to be? Mm -hmm. 
and start to get on that career path, like towards that success on a consistent basis. And that's when I started making more money, started making better decisions, started getting promotions, started getting, you know, <laughs> starting to get that career path going the way that I had always imagined. Um, but yeah, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff happened in between there before I really got into the Tony Robbins stuff. You know, I had, uh, had Danny come live with me as a foster son and Millie and I got mm. together and had kids. So, you know, about eight, eight to 10 years into, uh, to my sobriety. Um, I remember thinking like, I want to do something different with my life. And saw that, you know, I'd always heard about Tony Robbins and people always said, Oh, you, you're going to be the next Tony Robbins. Cause I'd always enjoyed helping my friends, talking to my friends or whatever. And like, yeah, I'm going to be the next Tony Robbins. And I was looking on his website and he had a job opening. I was like, yes. Oh my God. I immediately like looked into it. A friend of mine's like, Oh, I got a friend that used to work there. They give me in touch and you know, we'll talk to him. And so I was so pumped. And uh, I remember I was in Butte, Montana on a business trip and I get on the phone with this guy and I'm so fired up. Like I want to get a job with Tony Robbins company. And he, he, he gets on the phone. He's like, so, you know, are you familiar with Tony's work? I was like, ah, a little bit. It's like, well, uh, you know, have you been to any of his events? No. Have you read any of his books? No. Like, how the hell are you going to be the next Tony Robbins when you're not even familiar with the material? And I'll tell you, it's funny to say it now, but it was like a kick to my gut. And it, it made me, it opened my eyes and made me realize like, yeah, like what the fuck am I yeah. thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so at that point I started looking into events. I said, like, all right, well, he's right. It was definitely a kick to my ego, but he was right. And I said, all right, if I do want to do something like that, like I've been thinking about that, let's go to an event. So I looked up and I uh, found the next event that was near me and I bought tickets and um, that changed things for me, man. It put me on a different path. It started opening me up to different possibilities. And I went through the un Unleashed the Power Within in San Jose in 2018. And then in December of 2019, I went to a date with Destiny mm. uh, in Florida, in West Palm Beach. And UP, the, the UPW was awesome and it, it inspired me to take on a, a project and, and, and really started to open my mind up. But that date with Destiny was life-changing. I came out of there and I had, I told myself, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something different. I'm taking action. Like I'm going to own this. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had no idea what that path was going to be. I had no idea how to start. I had no, I had fucking nothing, but I just, but I, in my mind again, I knew, Hey, I'm going that way and I got to figure it out. And there was nothing but fear and discomfort there because every fucking step was unfamiliar, like yeah. a new path. And, uh, you know, I, I, but I decided to say in that moment, in that Tony Robbins thing, I realized that my heart was so open. I could see every single interaction that I was having was, was being led. There was something at work. Every, you know, it's, everything was just synchronistic and falling into place. And yeah. I could see almost instantly why I was talking to this person or that person, like why they were there. And uh, that made me believe. I said, look, there's signposts. You're going to meet people. You're going to see things you and go to places. They're going to give you signs and signposts. And you just got to take the action that they tell you. Book recommendation, read the book. Hey, you got to check this guy's podcast out. Check it out. Oh, you got to go and visit this place go visit. And each step is going to give you these little nuggets along the way that are going to help you to say, oh, and they're going to steer you where you're supposed to go. And uh, so I came out of that with that belief. And I was like, all right, I'm following the signposts. I don't know what I'm doing, but the signs got, you know, I'll be pointed. I will be pointed. And I had that faith 
from my relationship with my higher power. I knew that there was my own God that I can understand. I did believe in that universal energy. And I believe since a young age that I'm supposed to be doing something. And now it's, it's a matter of like listening and following and taking action, no matter how uncomfortable. Gosh, oh my goodness. It, it's, it's, it, I understand it, but Michael, you know that there are people that are listening and watching right now that are, are just stuck, right? What would you tell somebody um, that it's like, okay, I, I vaguely see it. I know I should be moving, but I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the move because I'm so uncertain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there's moves that you've made that, that weren't clear and maybe it's like, okay, well that didn't work out. Let me just keep moving. Right. What would you tell someone like that? Well, yeah. So I got to a point where you know, I was thinking, you know, I want to do these things, but it, I've been thinking about them for mm. literally 20 years talking about them. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I took zero action. And I was having this conversation with myself and I played the tape out. I said, all right, I've been having the same thought in my head. I'm going to do something for 20 years and I haven't done it yet. Play it out and get to the end. Sitting on the rocking chair, looking back at my life and still haven't even tried, haven't even tried talked about it for at that point it'd be fucking 80 years who knows but that ate me and i sat with usually i would dismiss it to want to deal with that oh no, no no i'll get to it someday but i sat with that feeling and it was the most like i felt like that would be the ultimate failure for me i would experience the ultimate failure in my life if i didn't even try and it's all right well what does trying look like well then i started thinking well you either do or you don't you don't try you know what i mean yep. you, may, you, know, you may get on a bike and you're going to ride it. And the first time you're going to crash or, or fall over or whatever, but you rode the bike. You didn't ride it as well as you wanted to, but you did it, right? That's and great. eventually you get on there and you're going to do it again and again. Pretty soon you're jumping and doing wheelies, right? But you got to keep doing it. Hmm. And so that was a shift for me. It's no fucking trying. Do it. Even if you suck, you do it again. You're going to get a little That's bit good. better. And anytime you're doing something new, it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. But if you do it enough times, you go visit a place enough times, you go to the gym enough times, you start working away, it becomes familiar, you get into a routine, and then pretty soon you're like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. But it's always that starting point is really tough. And if you just learn to lean into that discomfort a little bit, knowing that the, the, the other side of that is, is the joy and that fulfillment that you're looking for, that life purpose that you're trying to fulfill, it's, it's, it's possible, but it's... The, those first few steps, man, because you don't, you can't see it. Mm. You just got to envision it in your mind. And then when you start taking action, more shit will become clear. Gosh, if, if anyone's listening to that and, and hopefully um, it, it resonated with you, uh, all the information will be down in the show notes, but make sure you're, you're connected with Michael T after this and just saying, Hey, that, that hit me. That, that really hit me because his story is powerful for somebody out there, whether it's uh, you're, you're dealing with alcoholism, whether you're dealing with, you know, parents or whether you're dealing with just yourself internally, um, something hit you today. So I just wanted to make sure people were, were present in that moment, Michael T. So appreciate you, you sharing that. Um, you're at a point now, right, where you make the jumps, you make the leaps. Um, and, and your first action was really like after you left, 
you did something that someone told you, you were like, go do this. Okay. I need to do this, right? I need to hire somebody. I need to yeah. get people around me. I need to change my circle. Yes. Um, was that the first move that you did? You, you brought people closer around you that were, um, you know, a couple of temperatures above you to, to get in that space. Yeah, so I went to this uh, movie documentary premiere. Lewis Howes, he's a uh, you know lifestyle entrepreneur. If you're not familiar with him, he's got his own podcast. But I followed his content, really enjoyed it, really bought into it, read his books, and he had this movie premiere. So I went with my wife, and afterwards he did a Q&A. And I stayed after, and I was listening to all the different questions and answers, and he was making some really good points. And when I got up and got to do my Q&A, he had asked me some very pointed questions, like specifically, what do you want? What are you going to do? And I didn't have a clear answer. And I knew that was my first problem. Mm. And then he gave me some suggestions. And the suggestion that stood out was get a coach. And I'd been hearing this for a while. And I'd always been like, I'm not getting a coach. I'm not paying for someone to tell me what, to, what I already know to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then it's like, then the thought is like, all right, if you know what to do, but you're not doing it, maybe you should get a coach, <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> and so I left there and I was like, fucking, I'm getting a coach. I got to get clear on what I want. I got to get clear on this thing. Like I want to do the thing and I got to get clear on what that thing is. And I need to get there faster. And so hiring a coach is what I did. I went on Instagram and I was looking at different coaches. I was already following them and had met one particular um, individual through the Tony Robbins event. And I don't know exactly what drew me to him, but we had a conversation and I ended up hiring him as a coach. Yeah. And, um, and as fate would have it, he had made a decision during the Tony Robbins event to, to shift 100% over into coaching. And I was his first client and uh, yeah, it was awesome. And I had no idea what I was getting into zero, but I sat down with him and I trusted his process. And through that process, I mean, talk about transformation, mm. knowing nothing, everything being uncomfortable, everything being uncertain and not having the confidence in doing these things. Uh, you know, he taught me, he's like, well, first of all, we went and framed out my entire program, help people to go from being in that stuck position in life, feeling no fulfillment, just, you know, like their life circumstances can't be changed. It's like they've just given in, like, this is what life is. Like, no, like you can pivot from there. You can start taking these actions. You could look at these things differently and you can start poking holes in this, this life that you've basically enclosed yourself in and see that there's unlimited possibilities beyond that. And I developed out that coursework, but then he had me do these other things, you know, like I built out a social media calendar. He wanted me to do videos and post things. And I was like, I don't know how to do any of that. And just like, again, if you go back on my Instagram and you look at my videos from when I started, I, I was not good, you know, and I don't know that I'm great now, but I sure as hell am better than when I started. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the amazing thing was, is, is, because then I was like worried, what are people going to think? And now I'm going to be weird. And, you know, I've got a career job that I still maintain. Yeah. What if they hear about it? And he's like, dude, you're doing something you're passionate about. You're doing, uh, you know, good work. You're working with people. Like, don't you think they're going to want someone with that kind of mindset, with that, with that kind of, of go get them attitude? And I was like, that's a good point. And he started helping me to alleviate my fear, uh, which were, you know, showing up in all of these reasons why I didn't want to take these uncomfortable actions. And, and started to take action in spite of fear, you know what I mean? Yeah. To have that faith. And, and it's something I gotta, faith gives you courage to walk through fear, right? And so anytime you get to an uncomfortable situation, if you really feel that what you're doing is in line with your purpose, if you feel what you're doing is supported by a higher power, that you, you know, then you don't need to be scared of those obstacles. You will be able, you will be given what you need to get through them. God. 
And so I started taking action. I developed a program and, and became, you know, a life coach. I've, I've launched two programs now. Um, I think I've had 12 clients so far. I've been, this is, you know, year one, I'm done. So um, getting ready to launch a, th- you know, working on launching a third program. And, you know, the whole while, man, navigating through you know, a full-time career where I've got a senior level position and, uh, you know, it's time consuming and it's, it's, it can be stressful and it's a lot of responsibility. I'm a father of, of uh, four beautiful children, got a wife, and I still find time to do this. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is where my heart is and my love is. Like, I just can't even express just, <laughs> I get so fired up when I talk about this stuff, you know, like, I love it. And then the best part is being able to see, like teaching people these things and watching their life change, like yeah. just watching the smallest shift in perspective just dramatically change the course of their life. And I know because of what I've been through, like just these small shifts in our, in our mental just dramatically change what's, what's there in our physical. Gosh, we, this is, this is absolutely amazing, man, because, and I, I don't say that lightly. And then you know that, because just like you, I am always thinking of the person that is stuck, the person that is, is needing a breakthrough. And there's somebody on this podcast right now that is like, how, if he can do it, like, how, how are these people doing it? Like, I need to see it. And, and hopefully you're seeing it and hearing it right now that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk ourselves out of, it's like, I need to have this perfect. I need to do it then. I need to wait till like my job's in a line or I got to get my kids and my life in order, like all this stuff it's never going to be perfect or right time ever no, ever no but imperfect action beats perfect every day you yep. know what i mean you just take that uncomfortable imperfect action you're going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to build it and it's going to happen but i'll tell you man you know those people that are stuck that's that's why i do what i do like i yep. was i carried around so much emotional pain and so much resentment and i was so unhappy for so long and i had no self love and over the course of my, you know, 20 year personal development journey, I've, I've learned things the way that I can let go of that. I can use that mess that I grew up with as my message. You know what I mean? I can shift in perspective and look, and, and even now, like my stepmom and I had a terrible relationship growing up, terrible. And we talk on the phone now, mm. we have a loving relationship now. You know what I mean? I can look back and see how I had a part in that relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was not the best teenager, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I see that she was doing the best that she could. That was her, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And and I've, I, we, we've got a beautiful relationship now. I don't know that we're ever gonna be as tight as me and my dad, you know what I mean? But, you know, she calls my, you know, she's just, it's, it's amazing. But those are the types of shifts. Now I can let go of that baggage and I'm able to help someone else to realize these things and, and improve their life. And that is where the, the beauty lies. Yeah. You know, they don't need to go through 20 years of personal development. I can teach them these things, these tools that they can be and have a new life in a matter of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that being said, I, we, would, we would love to hear kind of the, the, the intricacies of your, your coaching, right? So you're, you're now stepping into this coaching role. You're, you've developed two programs, you're working on your third. Um, what type of people are you helping? Because, you know, you, you help uh, a conglomerate of people, men and women, but you, you've niched down in, a, in certain aspects, but it's really kind of the, the career driven man or woman specifically, you know, you're having this pivot to prosper process, right? Pivot yeah. to prosper. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the programs that you're in and how the transformations are going with, with your clients currently? 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the program is is catered to career driven men or, or women. Yeah. Uh, um, I've, I've kind of been serving mostly men, but um, yeah. So taking them, people that are feeling stuck, who have done the same thing I did, they went down this this career path, which they saw that as their line to success, and then they get down there and they're working hard and they're grinding and they're growing, and then they get to a point where like, yeah, I'm, I got to where I wanted. But I'm still stuck. I'm unfulfilled. I don't even like what I'm doing. I don't get to spend enough time with my family. I'm, you know, I've got all this money, but I'm miserable. You know, they could be a number of things, you know, and um, if there's an aspect of their life that they're unhappy with, or they just feel like they need to make a pivot, if they feel stuck, I can help them to, first of all, realize their position that they're not stuck and then start to help them with their, their, you know, they shift the stories and beliefs that they have and what's possible. They start to look at the language that they're doing. They need to identify, they need that clear vision, right? Of like what they want, help them to understand. We're gonna figure out where you wanna go. We're gonna figure out what's been holding you back. And then we're gonna clearly define who you wanna be and we're gonna build the bridge and give you an action plan. So by the time you're done, you know where you're going, you know, and, and that you're being led there. Like this is your purpose. You're, and the more that you take action towards that, the more the world around you will conspire to help you along that path. And ultimately, allow you to have these shifts in perspective and these change in these stories to be serving you and to make you a little bit more powerful so that your, your mess does become your message, right? That you are allowed yeah. to let go of that baggage that's been holding you down for so long and use it as fuel instead mm -hmm. of having it like a rocket ship, instead of having it over the top, stopping you, learn how to put it down below you and allow your launch pad, you know what I mean? To, oh, to good. push you up. That's so good. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like a, a transformation maybe one of your clients had? I think that would be really cool for people to hear like, okay, Michael, I understand. Like, I get it. I've heard it before. I want to hear like what breakthrough a client of yours had. I had, yeah, the, I don't, I don't want to say his name, but this is gentleman that I was working with. Um, he had like the wildest lifestyle, like, you know, all through his twenties and his thirties, he was like a, a big time drug dealer and he got popped. And he went to, went to jail for, I think, three and a half, four years or something like that. And he gets out. And he was making millions of dollars and doing all these cool trips. And he gets out. And he's like, all right, I got to do something different. Like, I, I want to have a life. I want to have a wife. I want to, like, be legit and, and but be successful because all of his friends were super successful. But he didn't feel like he could. He felt like his past defined him. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm just a knucklehead. Da, 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 da. And so we started teaching that, taking him and saying, you're not you're not any less worthy or capable. Like you were able to build a very successful business and run it for 20 years. It wasn't what would be considered a legitimate business, but you still managed a very high volume, high cash business. And we're going to take those skills and you can use them in quote unquote, the real world in a way that allows you to leverage your entrepreneurial talents, all of your business acumen that you've learned yeah. and put it towards something that now you want to do and shift for him he's like holy shit like you're right i'm not just a knucklehead like i did do that mm -hmm. and it's mad you know just that small shift in perspective like look if i was able to build that up it didn't it didn't happen overnight this isn't going to happen overnight and you start to see how you can use the similar process of building to something else that's more in line with who you are now and what you want to do and now he's got his real estate license He's him and his, his girlfriend have started a real estate company and he's starting to make moves and he's in the very beginning process of it, but they've already flipped a couple of houses. He's making some money and he's like, man, like that, I, that's what I'm saying. Like 
just think of a two millimeter shift in your perspective over the period of time and how that'll grow. You know what I mean? It starts growing exponentially and it starts with that belief, that shift. Like I am not this, I am this. And it's still the same thing. It's looking at the same thing <laughs> and looking at it from up here. Now you're looking at it from over here, same situation, different perspective, dramatically changes your outlook. Gosh, that is so good, man. Um, two questions that I always ask my guests as we wrap up here slowly. And, you know, I, I, I just appreciate your time as always for jumping on. This has been amazing thus far. And hopefully anyone that's listening or watching has gotten value from this. I, I couldn't see why you wouldn't. Okay. I don't even know why I throw that out there. I couldn't even see why you wouldn't because everyone's story has lessons and however you take that person's story to, to learn that your story can, can be transformational as well in whatever uh, avenue that you're having struggles or conflict in your life. Um, hopefully you've taken that from Michael T in, in some way um, to see his perseverance. So two questions I always ask towards the end, nothing very difficult, but it's, it's number one, um, what are lasting words that you would just have for someone listening right now um, that, is, that is on a cliff, that, that, is, that they feel like they're outside is successful. Everyone's viewing them as, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. But internally they're going home. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm about to give up. What would you tell that person? Um, and then we'll go to the second question from there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I lived there for years. <laughs> I know exactly what that's like and it sucks, man. Um, I, I would tell them, you know, that, there's still hope, you know what I mean? Like they, mm -hmm. the action that they're scared to take is the action they need to take. And they may not see the path, you know, they, they like, they're here and that's the path they're going on and they want this, they don't see the exit ramp. They don't know how it's possible to just start taking the smallest action towards that other thing. It doesn't matter, it's the smallest action and start doing it consistently, the path becomes clear. You start seeing it, you know what I mean? And the more action you take, the clearer it will become. But, uh, and if you don't know how to do that, look for people who have done it before, ask them questions, ask for help, hire a coach, you know, it's, but it's possible. It doesn't matter where you're at. It just takes this smallest shift in your mindset and it's possible. Even if you're just open to the possibility, that's all it takes. Just being open to the possibility. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's, that's really good. I, the second question I have for you, and I always ask my guests this is, how are you evolving? And I guess it's two part, but how are you evolving? Like, what are you doing right now that's moving the needle forward for you? What do you have coming up? Um, and, and where can people find you? So yeah, this so, is time for you. <laughs> I, um, I'm continuing to, you know, I've continued to work with coaches. Um, it's something that I've learned to best in myself to continue to develop my, my programs, my thought process, my approach, my marketing. I want to continue to get better at this so that I can serve at a higher level. Um, and, you know, what was the other part of the question? Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at the Michael T. Ward uh, and Twitter as well. You can find me on Facebook at Michael Ward. And um, yeah, to host a few clubhouse rooms here and there. And I got a YouTube channel, uh, Love it. Michael T. Ward as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you have two programs, right? You have yeah. uh, a bigger program. Then you have a program specifically for men. What are those programs? Yeah. yeah so pivot to prosper is my one-on-one -on -one coaching program. Uh, that's the high, higher ticket one. Uh, it's 12 weeks long. 
and it takes you from that feeling of being stuck and unfulfilled and otherwise unhappy with your life to a point where you like have a very clear vision and know exactly what you're going to do and, and, and how you're going to get there. Yeah. And through that process, you're able to get unstuck and like start coming alive because you're starting to see the, what's really possible for your life. The other one's called Man Up. It's a, it's a, a six week program. And that's clear. It's a goal setting, goal accomplishing uh, workshop where you get, again, you get clear on what you want. You write down your goals uh, that, that are in line with that vision. And then we go through and figure out like what's been holding you back and, and how you can just start to change those stories and build a specific roadmap, a plan of action that helps you to get there. So it's, it's more short term. It's not so long term. You know, it's a, it's a six week course designed to help you with your goals and, and what you want for that year that's in line with the vision for a bigger life. So good. So good. So if anyone's listening right now, uh, Michael, just make it clear for people that are listening, the pivot to prosper is, is for men and women specific, could be either one. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I would be open to men or women in either one. Um, yeah. but I've just, my experience up till now has been primarily men. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So if you're listening right now and you have a man in your life, uh, if you're a woman listening, you have a man in your life that just wants that, that leadership to have more communal men, more empowering men in their life, uh, definitely make sure that you check out Michael T. Uh, I, I can vouch wholeheartedly the, the transformations that he's making in uh, his family's lives, in, in his community, uh, but also in the clients that he's had. The, the things that I've heard personally from you know, the clients that you know, are just wowed by the way he gives and serves, uh, I'm telling you, I look out seriously. Um, you know, it's it's coming bigger and bigger. Uh, I know some new things and new projects that he's going to be launching in the coming months um, before the year's done. That I think it's going to be absolutely amazing for people to kind of uh, really hear more about the stories and, and the lessons that he's trying to teach to impact the world. But that being said, uh, thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you as always. This has been absolutely amazing. Um, if anyone wants to check out Michael T down below in the show notes, all the information that he shared will be down below his program links, um, his social media, uh, how to reach out to him. Um, if you just want to make sure that you reach out to him and say, Hey, I, I heard your podcast. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. I want to talk more. Uh, make sure you're connecting with him as well. If you did enjoy this podcast, please make sure that you are liking it, hitting a rating and review, but also share it with one person that you feel like needs to hear this. Um, for Michael T's story, um, if someone needs uh, just an empowerment uh, from another human being to say, hey, this can be done, make sure you check out the podcast as well. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening or watching. We appreciate you. That being said, we will see you in the next episode.